0: Hey, everybody. Alexa here, and welcome back to Murder in the Mountains. This week, we have Holly and Megan with us. Hey, guys.
1: Hello.
0: And this week's case was a listener suggestion. The listener's sister was actually good friends with the victim, so we wanted to bring awareness to the case. So this week, we are going to cover the disappearance of Zeb Quinn, in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, super close to us. Very close. So Zeb Wayne Quinn was born on May 12th, 1981. He had a sister, Brandy, who he was very close with. And while he had friends growing up because of sports and Boy Scouts and stuff like that, he never really had any close friends, just like a lot of acquaintances. He was a super sweet person by all accounts and would go out of his way to make people happy. In high school, he joined ROTC and finally felt a sense of belonging and had plans to, like, do something military-wise after graduation. Another place where he felt he belonged was at his job in the electronics department of Walmart. When Zeb went missing at the age of 18, he had been working at Walmart for two years and was very well-liked among his coworkers and customers. Around 9 p.m. on January 2nd, 2000, Zeb had finished his shift and decided to go with a co-worker named Jason Owens to look at a car that Zeb had been interested in. He'd been working extra shifts and longer hours throughout the holidays to save up for a new used car. Mitsubishi Eclipse is what he was looking at, and Jason knew of a place that had one for sale. So the two guys left Walmart like a little after 9 p.m. and were seen on surveillance cameras at 9 15 getting sodas from a gas station and then driving off. This was the last time Zeb was seen alive. So according to Jason, a few minutes after the pair left the gas station, Zeb, who was following Jason, flashed his headlights so Jason would pull over. When he did, Zeb got out of his car and said that he got an urgent page on his beeper and asked if he had a cell phone so that he could return the call. Jason told him he didn't have a cell phone, which it was 2000, so that's not that surprising, uh, but told him that there was a gas station up the road with a payphone. Zeb was like, okay, cool, I'll be right back. And I thought this part of the story was interesting because they had been following each other this whole time. So why didn't Jason just go to the gas station with him? And then, like, they can either continue on their drive or they go their separate ways. Like, it makes more sense than just staying parked on the side of the road, like, waiting for your friend to come back. You know what I mean?
2: I was... I was going to agree like you saying him drive him saying I'm going to be right back that automatically is like I mean not saying that this other guy has something to do with it but automatically a red flag goes up that it's like if you're following him like what you just said why would you not if the payphone or the gas stations a few minutes down the road why wouldn't you just go with them when you're going together to your destination especially when it's so late at night I don't I, mean, I guess they're guys, it's different, but it being that late at night and they were already going somewhere, that just I don't know, a red flag is going up for me.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Jason did it, but we'll <laughs> see, I guess. <laughs> You're really
0: <laughs> jumping the gun.
1: <laughs> well, this is being told at this point from his perspective because this is the last time we're seeing Zed. It's Zed, right?
0: Zeb Z E B B.
1: Oh Zed. Okay. Um, and to her point, they're following each other. I always forget timeframes when you said it's 2000 and no cell phones. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's right. Even though it doesn't seem that long ago. So I'm guessing since they didn't have cell phones, they probably also were sharing printed directions or something. So it just seems like that would make more sense for them to go back together regardless of the guy or girl situation.
0: So, according to Jason, uh, Zeb leaves to use a payphone and comes back 15 minutes later, like, frantic. So much so that when he pulled back in, he rear-ended Jason's car. Jason said that Zeb told him that he had to go and cancel their plans to look at, like, to go look at the car. He said that he would hit him up later to talk about the damage to a car. He apologized and then sped away. According to Jason, Zeb never said who the page was from or what happened to cause him to leave in such a hurry. So something else that's curious is that later that night, Jason admitted himself to the hospital, claiming that he got into a second car accident that night. He had a head injury and fractured ribs, which obviously did not happen from Zeb and his like little fender bender. There was also no police report like, filed for the accident, and there wasn't any damage to his car that would contribute to injuries of that kind. So what, you know, like, actually happened. Two days after Zeb was last seen, on January 4th, 2000, a call was made to the Walmart where he worked. Someone called claiming to be Zeb, letting his supervisor know that he wouldn't be into work that day because he was sick. So, like I said earlier, Zeb had worked there for two years, His supervisor thought to herself, like, this is not Zeb. Like, I know his voice. And she asked questions like, what department do you work in? What's your name again? What time were you scheduled for? And the person on the other end answered all the questions. She then hung up in like star 67 or whatever the call so that it could be traced. And it was traced to a local Volvo plant where none other than Jason Owens worked a second job. Did you say
1: he answered them correctly or he just answered them because she still didn't trust it if she tried to trace the call? So did he answer those questions incorrectly?
0: He answered them correctly. The only question he hesitated on was what time you're like what he was scheduled to come in that day.
2: He's answering the questions because he's good friends with them. Obviously he knew the first two, but the hardest question would be when are you scheduled? And he hesitated, but then he answered it correct.
0: Well, I don't know, like, if he said this afternoon or, you know, whatever the exact answer was, but that was the only one he kind of hesitated with. And it's like, I feel like he could have answered them perfectly and she'd still be like, this isn't Zeb, you know?
2: If you've been working there for two years, like you said, they know
0: his voice. So when asked if he made the call, Jason told police that he did. But he only did because Zeb had asked him to. So he was just doing his friend a favor. So even with all this circumstantial evidence against him, Jason maintained his innocence, and police had nothing, like, on him. He didn't; They didn't know where Zeb was, if he was dead or alive, so they had nothing to charge him with.
1: So he admits he makes that call after Zeb is missing?
0: Yes, and Zeb's mom has already, like, reported him missing, like, she reported him missing the next morning after he didn't come home. And all of this, so police are already aware that he's, like, a filed, you know, missing person. But, yeah, he did. And they know that he was the last one to see him, you know, that that he was with him that night. And he admitted to making the call, but only because Zeb asked him to.
1: But it would have made a lot more sense. And I know we always do this. And I'm glad criminals are stupid. If he claimed that his friend got some random call and rushed off and he knows he was missing... It would have made way more sense for him to stay out of it at that point and be like, oh, I don't know. I have not seen him since that night. How did he tell you to call in for work like a day? Like he told you that night, he gave you a list of rules that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it's almost like incriminating yourself. Like when, when criminals insert them into the crime scene, it's like, like Megan said, at that point, stay out of it. But even if they, the cops wanted something on him, if they didn't have evidence, and I may sound super, like, stupid to other, like, people who know crime better than me and the law, but can this not be, like, falsifying evidence or, because he's pretending to be him, so can you, is this, like, falsifying evidence or, like, withholding evidence if you don't actually know where he is and you're, like, I, I don't, because who's to say he, he, Zeb actually told him to do this? This could just be all made up and he just made this phone call.
1: That's actually another really good point. He didn't call in and say, Hey, I had a weird interaction with Zeb and he told me to let you know he could be here. He pretended to yes. be here. That's really weird.
0: All right. So it gets weirder. Oh, great. Four days after Zeb went missing on January 6th, 2000. Zeb's mother, Denise, got a call from another employee of the hospital where she and Zeb's sister worked as nurses. The woman worked in the records department and called Denise to let her know that she's pretty sure that she saw Zeb's car parked in a barbecue restaurant parking lot called Little Pigs, which was located next to the hospital. The woman went to school with Zeb, which is why she said she recognized the car. So Denise immediately called the police, who went to the car's location, and upon arrival, they positively identified the car as belonging to Zeb. Upon investigation, they saw on the back windshield a pair of lips and two exclamation points were drawn with lipstick. The headlights were on. Windows were cracked. A lot of empty bottles were on the floorboard. There was a hotel key, a jacket that did not belong to Zeb. and an like a live black lab puppy was found inside both megan and holly's faces are like what a puppy!" okay
2: immediately in my head is like someone stole the car so, or they found the car they stole it and they had a party and like went out with it and accidentally left a puppy i don't know at least the puppy's alive you said it was alive right yeah okay thank goodness but that's where my head's going. Some like two kids or whatever stole a car, made out in the car, got drunk or something, and then left it. That's where my head's going. I don't know. Was there blood or any type of DNA found?
1: No. I have no idea going as far as the dog being in the car. That just makes no sense. I have so many questions. Jason claimed he got a pager, and then he's claiming he went and used his cell phone. Did they verify that if that cell phone was used? Did they verify? I guess they can't. Or
0: Zeb did, right? Zeb Zeb got the page and asked Jason to use his cell phone, but Jason did not have a cell phone. That's why he had to go to the gas station to use the payphone.
1: I might have misspoke. That's what I was trying to say. But I'm saying, like, Jason told this story. So did the police check? The payphone that Zeb would have, quote unquote, used.
2: Also, did they verify that Jason actually did not have a cell phone?
0: So yes to the cell phone. It's verified that he did not have a cell phone. Payphone, I don't know because I don't know how payphone records are kept, you know, especially back then. The page was verified. Like it was verified that he got a page. And we'll go into that a little bit later on.
1: Curious if they got because honestly, I would have thought payphone records would have been more accessible than pager. I didn't know how pagers worked. I know you can't ping a picture or anything, so I didn't know how that worked, but it is good. I guess they verified that. Uh, as far as the lipstick, the dog, I have no earthly idea. That's really, really weird. My only question, I guess, when they filmed the car was someone using it like was someone in the restaurant with a dog and they were just eating while the dog was out there like was someone currently using the car
0: so i'm going to go into these things point by point you ready ready all right so the lips and the exclamation marks drawn in lipstick in my opinion would indicate maybe a woman was involved like a guy doesn't just have lipstick handy and i doubt he would go like buy lipstick just to do this and to my knowledge they did not find the lipstick in the car so it was like the lipstick was taken with whoever drew it and it was like an exclamation like a triangle exclamation point like bubble letters kind of and then like lips And then another bubble lettered exclamation point on the back windshield. So second, the headlights were on. So I Googled how long you can leave your headlights on before your car dies. And I got varying answers, but most said like between four to eight hours. So granted, that's not like Zeb's specific car. So it would vary, but... We've all made this mistake, whether you leave your headlights on or you leave your interior lights on and your interior lights on can stay on longer than your headlights because it uses less voltage. Just a fun fact, because I didn't know any of this. But to me, that means that the car was not there very long if the lights were still on and the car was not dead. The empty bottles could be from Zeb. I'm not sure if they got DNA from them, like to say one way or another, like hopefully they did. And, you know, then they would have gotten DNA from persons of interest to rule people out. But I can't say the hotel key did not have a logo on it. So like a tip and it was like one of those plastic ones, you know, that you like a key card, not like an actual key key, you know, not like something you just get from like a Hilton or wherever. And police literally went to every local hotel or motel they could to try to find a match. But after days of trying, they came up empty. Nothing matched. And then I also don't know if the jacket was a man's or a woman's, but I would assume that if it was a woman's, they would have specified that. Like a woman's jacket was found in the car. You know what I mean? And then we have the puppy. So maybe they put the puppy in the car to draw attention to the car like the dog would probably be barking or whining somebody would call the police and then the police would figure out that the car belonged to zeb and i mean it really i mean the fact that the headlights were on it was parked in a public place right next to where zeb's mom and sister worked and they left a dog in the car all kind of made it seem like they wanted the car found that i'm
2: 100 yes
1: But why? Why would they not get rid of the car? Like, who wanted found the criminal? That's
0: weird. It's very weird. But, like, nothing in the car led police anywhere. None of the evidence that was collected helped them find anything. It linked to nobody.
2: Unless the criminal had a conscience and felt guilty about what they did because they're friends with the victim. And, I mean, not trying to point fingers or anything. But wanted him to be
0: found. But Zeb wasn't found, and like he, you know, he wasn't in the car. It was just the car. You he know, what never. I, mean? found- I
2: was hoping
0: he was found. I'm just saying, like he wasn't in the car. Like it's not like they popped the trunk and he was in there. So like uh-huh. the car didn't lead them anywhere.
1: I would but- say not. Uh, guilt because criminals are the worst like murders it feels like one of those horrible in your face look what we did we killed this guy we're gonna jokingly put something in your face that provides absolutely no evidence and then everybody gets excited because you feel like you found a clue and then it's another dead end sometimes criminals do like slap in the face moves and that feels like you're to right. They're psychopaths. This is confusing.
2: Totally different. Has the theory of Zeb running away come up? Because what if this is Zeb, like planning random evidence to make it look like something happened to him, but he actually ran away?
0: So he didn't take any money with him. This was his only car. His, you know, he was a happy kid. His life was in Asheville. So there's really no. Not, I mean, I'm sure they explored that possibility, but it was pretty quickly, like, ruled out that that would be a thing. Especially with Jason's account of what happened and then Jason calling into Walmart. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, the whole call to Walmart. Definitely, like, just, I don't know, red flags.
0: So the only thing that police really took away from the car being found was to look at the possibility of a woman being involved. So, aside from the lipstick drawings, reports had come in that a woman was seen driving the car in the days leading up to it being found. In fact, one couple, who had heard of the disappearance on the news, saw a car matching Zeb's description and took down a partial plate, which was later confirmed to match Zeb's license plate. When speaking to Zeb's family and friends, they found out that he was quote-unquote talking to a woman named Misty Taylor. Misty matched the composite sketch made of the person seen driving Zeb's car.
2: Okay, so police are going to go talk to her. What did she say?
0: So Misty was a mother to a young child and also had an abusive boyfriend named Wesley Smith. When questioned about it, she pretty much was just like downplayed their relationship like we're just friends. Like, not even friends, we're just acquaintances. We kind of know each other. Like, his dad owned a restaurant that her mom worked at, you know, just different degrees of separation. But Zeb and Misty were known to like often talk on the phone in a flirtatious manner, not like phone sex or anything like that, but they were definitely more than friends. On New Year's Eve, the two talked on the phone for hours. And then he didn't hear from Misty for a couple of days, which worried him because he knew that she had an abusive boyfriend. So Zeb was always sure to block his number when calling Misty to make sure he kept his identity secret from Wesley. However, he forgot to do this when he called to check on Misty and Wesley found out that the two were talking and threatened Zeb that he better stop it with Misty or else. This happened on January 2nd, the day of Zeb's disappearance. And according to Zeb's grandmother, when he hung up the phone, he said, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble now, and looked terrified. I'm
1: just now, I'm like, my brain's blown. (laughs) There's your (laughs) phrase. Because I'm like, oh, maybe Jason has been telling the truth this whole time. What a plot twist that would be!
2: But does Jason and Wesley know each other?
0: They do not know each other. Okay, because that would have been something.
1: That would have been something. But now I'm like, what if that was the page he got? This guy's like, I'm gonna whoop your butt. You, it was. Up and he's like, the call into Walmart is the part that makes Jason seem involved. Because if I got a call. And somebody was like, you've been seeing my girl. I'm going to beat your butt. I wouldn't tell my friend that night to be like, oh, I got to go meet this guy. I don't know what's going to happen. Can you call into work for me tomorrow or whatever day? Like, that still doesn't make sense. So I'm just confused.
0: Yeah, and when... They asked where she and Wesley were on the night of Zeb's disappearance. She said that they were home with her mother, Tamra, who was having dinner with a woman named Ina Ustich. Ina just so happened to be the paternal aunt of Zeb. So Zeb's aunt was having dinner with her friend who was Misty's mother, okay, on the night of the disappearance.
2: Say this again. I'm confused. Misty, the girlfriend's mother... Was having dinner with Zeb's aunt.
0: Correct. Yep. And she and Missy says, me and Wesley were there. You know, we have witnesses. You know, it wasn't us. We had nothing to do with it.
2: And they confirmed that, like Tamara and the aunt or whoever, whatever,
0: confirmed all this. Yeah, they said that they were there as well.
1: I never like alibis that are like that, though, because they could just be covering for people they love. It's not like an alibi where if they were out to eat, they could check the receipt at the restaurant. So I hate alibis like that. So I'm not convinced on that fact yet. We'll see. Now I'm thinking a different murder uh, suspect. A lot of people cover for their family members, even if they don't know where they were at. If somebody's like, can you say I was here? Sometimes they'll do it. Whereas a restaurant, you could like find a receipt where they ate. So,
0: But do you think that his aunt would alibi for these other people when it's her nephew that went missing?
1: That's a good point. But sometimes, and maybe they did see each other that night, but it wasn't, you know, the times didn't match up and they didn't realize that. Because if she knows her so well, sometimes people think, well, there's no way she would have been involved in something like that. You know what I mean? So we'll see what what uh, what other information you have here because all these people are guilty. and like
2: is the aunt close to this nephew? Like, how close are they? Are they strange? Like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. So they're not super close. They're not. They never had like a falling out or anything. It's just like an aunt that you know maybe you see once a year or at holidays or something. Not like you know super close. All right. So now we move on to the page. To the beeper. Okay. So the page was traced back to whose house, do we think? Jason.
1: Um, I guess since she went with Jason, I'll go with the other guy. What was his name? Wesley. Right? The Tamara. Is that her name?
2: Tamara. I'm so bad. Misty. It was Misty. We're both wrong. It was Misty. She's like, boyfriend found out I'm in deep crap.
0: Okay, so we have one vote for Jason, one vote for Wesley. Maybe it was Misty. Maybe it was Tamara. Correct. (laughs) Is that where we landed? Sorry.
1: No, I meant my vote was for the couple together, not Tamara. Just like the couple as a whole.
2: I'm thinking I'm more leaning toward. I mean, I said Jason right away is like a, you know, dun, dun, dun moment because, you know, we started out with him being the prime suspect. But now with more information, I'm going with Misty saying, help me and my boyfriend find out, found out about us.
0: Okay, so you're both wrong. It traced back to Aunt Ina's house.
2: What? Wait a minute. The not so close aunt that had dinner with Tamara and Misty, supposedly Misty and
0: scary boyfriend.
1: Gosh, that doesn't even make
0: sense. Okay, can just tell us the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ina was like, "No, I did not make that call because I wasn't even home. I was at a friend's house. But you know what? It just so happens that my house was broken into that night. Nothing was taken, but some picture frames were moved." Um. I'm think I'm I'm sure that you're thinking exactly what I was thinking and what the police were thinking. Who does B- that? BS. Nobody yeah. does that. But either way, Ina says that she was at Tamara's house and verifies that Misty and Wesley were there. You know, so once again, just like Jason, they had no solid evidence to make moves on the couple.
2: Okay, so what if Ina really was at Tamara's house? Tamara is covering for Misty and boyfriend. Does boyfriend have a name? Wesley. Wesley, that's right. So, what if... Because Tamara is Misty's mom. So, what if, out of love, as Megan said, she's covering for her daughter, Misty, who... Misty is somehow involved because of Wesley. So... Tamara, who's BFF with Ina, begs Ina to cover and say that they were there, even though they weren't. Or maybe she thought they were there, but didn't actually see them. Maybe she thought they were in the bedroom or something. And they knew that Ina's house would be empty. So they broke into Ina's house to make the call. So they want to be traced.
1: Um, I don't know. I think they're all lying. I think, I'm kind of taking Jason out of it. The only thing I can't forget about is that Walmart call. Cause I just think that's really weird to call in for your friend. I just, I haven't even heard of anybody ever doing that. Um, so that's just really confusing, but I don't know. I'm leaning towards all three of these people being involved. Tamara, Ina, wait, it's four people. <laughs> Tamara, Ina, Misty, and Wesley. Like, I no one breaks in and takes nothing and then makes a call.
2: But what would Ina and in, um, Tamara's motives be? Like, the Wesley and Misty. Misty, I feel like, is just, like, caught up in it because it's, like, her lover and, like, her boyfriend who's abusive. Like, she's caught up in it, and it may have been just, like guilty by association, but Wesley, like, he has actual motive. What would Tamara, who's the mom of Misty, not even the mom of Wesley, and then Ina's motive be? I just don't think there's any motive
1: there. I have no idea. I just know they're lying, and it's weird to lie. I mean, I guess I don't know they're lying, but I feel like they're lying, and and until you know, like, I don't know because I don't know like the ins and outs of their lives. Maybe there was so much drama going on here. Maybe there's something we don't know yet that's emotive, but it just feels yeah. how are pagers how are oh
0: it's I call. do not know how pagers work. Okay. Like I don't know how a fax machine works. I don't it's know like, how they yeah. work. I know what they are, but I don't know how you use one.
1: Because for the boyfriend and the girlfriend to be smart enough to go over to Ina's his aunt it would have made more sense if they went to her Misty's mom's house and made the call not
2: yeah but what I'm saying is if Tamara and Ina are truly BFF let's say they're BFF if Misty and Wesley knew that they were having dinner together they could have been like oh we need to make a call that can't be traced We know that they're together right now. So we're going to break into this other chick's house, Ina, because we know she's with Misty's mom. That's what I'm saying is they already know that she's out of the house. And this is a location that they can make the call from where they're not going to be traced back to because it would be red flag central if it was traced back to Tamara's house or if it was traced back to Misty and Wesley's house. You see what I'm saying?
1: I just don't feel like these people are that smart. They could be. That would be like genius. But also, I'm guessing cops didn't go in and take fingerprints because fingerprints were a thing at that point. Yeah, they should
2: have. Hopefully. I don't know. Alexa, do you have that answer?
0: I do not have that answer. But I am about to blow your brain holes if you would like to move on. Okay,
1: let's go. I'm so conf- This is the most confusing case I think you've ever done.
0: So, for 15 years, the case goes cold. So, that was until March 17th, 2015, when Jason Owens was arrested for murder. So, yes, this is the same Jason Owens that was last seen with Zeb, but he was not charged with the murder of Zeb.
2: Oh, my gosh. Was it with Misty or
0: Wesley? No. It was... He was charged with the murder of Food Network star contestant, Christy Skoen Codd, her husband, JT Codd, and their unborn child, who she was five months pregnant with, a girl that they were going to name Skylar.
2: Terrible. I don't know these people. I don't know. I mean, I know Food Network, but I don't know who they are, but that is awful.
1: This is so random. My guess is now he got... Arrested for another murder. It's now 2015. DNA came out and now he's in the database and something comes up. But you let me know.
0: That's not what happened. So.
2: (laughs) And it makes you wonder if they would have just done the right cop work the first time. They could have stopped this murder from happening. Three murders from happening.
0: So Jason ended up pleading guilty. To three counts of murder, but he said it was an accident.
2: Have you accidentally murdered three people?
0: Correct. So according to Jason, he accidentally ran over the couple as they tried to move their car out of a ditch. So he first accidentally hit like the accelerator and rammed them and then hit reverse and then backed over them.
2: So if they're in a ditch and you're purposely driving into a ditch...
0: Like, the car was stuck, and they were helping him get it out, like, pushing the car, you know.
2: Okay. For good Samaritans, and he accidentally ran them over.
0: They all knew each other because Jason was a contractor, and he, like, did work, like, around their house and stuff like that. Gotcha. So, instead of being like, oh, crap, like, let me call 911, he decided to take their bodies into the house where he dismembered them with a saw and placed their remains into plastic bags which he then took and put into a wood stove at a mobile home on his property and burned them. He then moved the couple's cars, sold some of their belongings to make it look like a robbery. Because he took a plea deal and pled guilty he avoided the death penalty and was sentenced to 59 and a half years in prison.
2: So, it was not an accident. I'm sorry. If you accidentally do something, you call 911 in a panic. It obviously was not. This guy was a psychopath. He probably did it before to his BFF Zeb and got away with it. And then the itch came back or whatever.
1: Also, if you accidentally do it and you do get afraid that it, I don't think this happens, but if you accidentally did it and then decided, what if I go to jail? They don't believe me and panic. Typically, you don't dismember and all that stuff. You wouldn't have the stomach for that if you act. Obviously, he did not act. No,
2: like you would be upset out of your mind, yeah. freaking out. Especially if you knew the people.
1: Exactly. My, now I'm starting to think, do we know whose dog it was? Because now I'm starting to think that since uh, Jason was Zeb's best friend, He knew he was messing around with this girl and he did go to the extremes to buy lipstick and set up the car, maybe thinking they would look at a girl and a couple. And he did want them to find a car as to lead them on a goose chase. So maybe the police were doing, I don't really know because I don't know what they did, but maybe the police were doing their job. But
2: yeah, because if he went to the lengths to like try to come up with this story with this couple however many years later who's to say Megan you're like right on that he did it before with the car he knew about the couple made it look like the couple with the lipstick now did we like search shelters and see who bought a little puppy earlier
0: that week yes they did and they came up with nada
1: Dang, I wonder if it was just hard to track but
0: I mean, a black lab is pretty basic. You know, it's not like a some. You know what I mean? Like labs are like the most popular breed in America, so it's like even. And who's to say it came from Asheville? You know what I mean? And if it didn't, if it wasn't microchipped, why does this dog like nothing's making this black lab puppy stand out from other black lab puppies?
1: That's true. And um, Holly, thank you for saying. That was a good point. But the way this has been going, I feel like Alexa's is going to be like, I know. but that wasn't what
2: happened. <laughs> I know. She's going to be like, your mind is going to be blown again.
1: So let's see. All
0: right. So shortly after Jason was arrested for the Cods' murder, a tip came into police that Jason had dug a quote unquote fish pond In his backyard, soon after Zeb went missing, this eight-foot-by-eight-foot area was dug up and filled with concrete, and then he filled the concrete with dirt. So, like, mission aborted, no fish were added. It was just a big hole of dirt filled with concrete that was filled with more dirt. So, police got a search warrant for Jason's property and found fabric and leather materials and also unknown hard fragments under the layer of concrete. And it's not been confirmed if the hard uh, fragments were human remains or not. But on July 10th of 2017, Jason Owens was indicted by a grand jury in the murder of Zeb Quinn, even though to this day, no body has ever been found.
1: Well, wait, why? Why? So why did they say he did I miss?
0: You did not miss anything. This is because Jason told police that a family member of his killed Zeb and then dismembered him and burned his remains, and that the evidence could be found in the Bent Creek Experimental Forest, which is part of the Pishka National Forest near Asheville. So I know what you're thinking. Oh, likely story. A family member happened to murder Zeb Quinn the exact same way that you admitted to murdering the Cods years later? Yeah. This
1: is so frustrating. So he basically... Gave them where the remains were and they did find hard fragments or whatever. They just couldn't tell they were human.
0: No, he did not tell them about that area. Somebody tipped them off that he had like dug this hole in his yard. And that's where they found the quote unquote hard fragments, but they were never confirmed to be bone or, you know, human, anything. So, but he was arrested. Like, so basically he ended up telling his defense attorneys I hadn't gotten to this part, but I'll fill you in. He ended up, like, telling his defense attorneys when he was arrested for the other murders all about Zeb.
1: Why? Did they ask? I'm just—it's so weird that he, like, just blurted that out unless he thought for whatever reason. Because these are going to be—this is a billion years later. These are going to be different people altogether. So somewhere in his conscience—
2: they have. may have recognized his name. Like, there may be a database where, like, his name popped up, and they were like, oh, you've been kind of tagged to this cold case. Can you tell me about it? That's
0: but, I mean, this is all in Asheville, too, you know, and it's a huge missing persons case in Asheville. So they probably, you you know, like, did recognize his name from that case.
1: Because they do that sometimes if they're related to another case and it's years later. That's why I was like, did they ask him or did he just, like, get paranoid? But I'm sure they asked asked him. It's just, okay, so, okay. I'm not, I wish there was like hardcore evidence, but it is weird. I mean, for him to say he dismembered them, it seems like he definitely did it. That's a weird thing.
0: That's literally the exact same thing that he did to these other people. So it's like explain, explain to me, you know, and the family member that he has like named has not been named in like court documents or anything. But there's speculation that it's an uncle who has already passed away, therefore cannot give any additional information. But he was set to be in court as part of a plea deal in Zeb's case on July 11th of this year. So literally last week, but proceedings weren't able to take place because Zeb's mother, Denise, wasn't able to be there. So they are looking at potentially July 25th, so next week, for it to take place. But in order for a plea deal to take place, there has to be some sort of evidence, like, backing up his story. You know, he can't be like, well, my dead family member did it. I promise. Cut me a deal. You know what I mean? So I guess we'll see, like, what happens in the coming weeks and maybe more information will come out. Okay, know. you're going to be tracking
2: this and, like, tell this, right? Like, of you're gonna- course in a motive or something you're going to be like hey by the way i have an update on that case
0: i'm going to be in labor and find out and let y'all know you're probably
2: going to be listening to the trial as you're in labor
0: it won't even be a trial it's just a plea deal
2: <laughs> okay whatever you're going to be searching searching the web
0: like i got nothing to do baby sleeping yeah, like-
2: Ryan, I'm having a contraction. Can you please tell me what's going on with this case?
0: Read this paragraph, please. <laughs> okay, text it in the group text and let Megan and Holly know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> By the way, guys, she's she's at whatever. She's about
1: to have the baby. I'm
0: 13 days out. Plus or minus. Hopefully minus.
1: <laughs> I um so is the listener still in you probably don't know I'm acting like you had like a whole conversation with the listener I'm wondering if she's still in Asheville and if you said she knew did she know she knew the victim right
0: yeah so I am assuming since they were good friends maybe she knew him as well but her sister was good friends with Zeb but I did have an actual conversation with her and okay. this story is not over so a lot of people Including the listener that I talked to, uh do not believe that Jason is to blame, so really? yes, they Megan's face looks like a dog who just tilted their head.
2: it's <laughs> like one of those criminals that like tries to like you know be like, Hey, it was me, but they didn't actually do it like we've talked about those criminals before
0: so so she sent me a theory off of Reddit that is very widely known and that she agrees with that she's like, I think. This is the closest thing to what actually happened, and I'm going to tell you guys what that theory is. The theory goes like this Jason did not premeditate anything going awry with Zeb, he did not intend on doing anything except showing Zeb the car, and everything was fine until he got that page. They think that the page came from Misty and y'all already said this, who broke into Aunt Ina's home because she knew Ina wouldn't be there because she was with her mom. Misty also knew that Zeb would drop everything for her if she asked him to. According to the theory, when Wesley confronted Misty about Zeb, she said that he was obsessed with her and stalking her, either because of fear of what w- what like Wesley would do to her if he found out that she was talking to another guy, or, you know, just because she was a bad person. Who knows? and again something you said instead of paging him from her number where would automatically make her the number one suspect they decided to page him from his aunt's house like we said because she knew that he wouldn't she wouldn't be home so to explain how and why Ina alibied Misty and Wesley the theory says that when Ina arrived at Tamra's. Wesley and Misty greeted her, made some small talk, and then they like discreetly excused themselves, got into a car and drove to Ina's house and broke in. I
2: that makes so much sense. Like all this could totally have happened. Because I was gonna ask you if Ina actually saw them or if they were just in a room somewhere. But if they she did see them, they could have been like, hey, I was here, and then snuck out.
0: Exactly. So, when Zeb called her from the payphone, she told Zeb that she was in danger or scared, and that was enough to send Zeb into a panic and want to come rescue her. He speeds back, and in the panic, he hits Jason's car. He tells Jason he has to go, and Jason offers to go with him. This theory makes a connection between Jason, Wesley, and Misty by saying, you know, like, because of the incident early that day when Wesley threatened Zeb, Maybe Zeb took Jason up on the offer to come with him. Or maybe Zeb even asked Jason to come with him, being like, it won't take long, and then they can go look at the car. But Wesley had like a bad reputation of being like a mean, tough guy, like in town, which was the opposite of Zeb. So Zeb may have been very open to the idea of Jason coming along. So it goes on to say that the location where he was requested to meet is unknown. And completely up to speculation, but what ends up happening is that Wesley kills Zeb and spares Jason as to not draw more attention. Like, two missing people would definitely draw more attention than one missing person. And if Jason drove his truck, that uh, that's like another vehicle they'd have to get rid of. And two people would be disposing of three cars. So the theory also adds that after Wesley killed Zeb, he probably forced Jason to help hide the body and evidence, so that he would be implicated in the crime. And then he beat the crap out of him to scare him, which would explain why he went to the hospital early in the morning with broken bones and claimed it was from a car accident.
1: I still don't agree, and I know I'm not there, and I don't know the situation. I did remember that Zeb was, or that Jason was beaten up. The only reason this theory is not jiving with me is because If Jason was Zeb's best friend. They weren't (laughs)
0: best friends. They were just co-workers.
1: I, if the future Jason didn't brutally kill people, I could hop on this theory. But this man just killed a pregnant woman and her husband, like an annihilated entire family, chopped them up. And that one we know. I don't see him being that scared if he is capable of something like that and also most of the time killers are for themselves so once he got out of the situation why would 15 years later he not even bring up wesley unless it comes up there's still more things why would he not implicate them at this point why would he just take the fall for people he didn't know
0: so Uh, this kind of touches on the whole murder thing, like the new murder. So they ask, they're like, you know, why wouldn't Jason just go to the police? Why would he call in sick versus Zeb? And so maybe rather than doing the right thing, which is calling to <laughs> report the murder of Zeb, he begins to panic that he will get blamed for everything. He was the last one seen with Zeb, he was at the crime scene. Two days have already passed and he hasn't made a report yet. So in his mind, it's too late to, you know, do that without being like, well, you all of these things, you know, the police well, point Wesley the finger at him.
2: Wesley probably put that in his head too.
0: That very. If this, yeah.
2: theory is right, if this theory is what happened.
0: So he thinks, you know, he needs to call Walmart basically in an effort to save himself. But that backfired and he became the number one suspect. So they're saying that obviously Jason has a history of maybe not making the best decisions when it comes to something happening. So let's take three instances. For example, the first one being Zeb's murder. Okay. He's like, instead of rationally being like, I just need to go to the police and tell them what happened, blah, blah, blah. he freaks out, concocts his whole, I'm going to pretend to be Zeb, in sick, cover myself, da, da 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 What I didn't touch on was in 2007, he was in, like, a high-speed car chase because he, like, refused to pull over for, like, a routine traffic stop. Like, literally, he was, like, speeding or ran a stop sign or something. It was, like, something super routine. But instead of just pulling over, he get, he, like, leads police on a high-speed chase and shoots a gun out the window at the cop car and so he like spends four years in pr- like prison or something like that or some i don't know exactly how long so instead of just pulling over when he's like oh uh, i'm gonna get in trouble he immediately decides to like go on a high-speed chase and like shoot out a cop okay so then the third they're like what if it was an accident that he ran over these people And he's just panics and he's like no, i gotta get rid of the body they're gonna think that i murdered him no, no, no. and so like he has this like terrible thought process and impulse or whatever that's something else that they mentioned in the theory that he was actually like known at the time of zeb's disappearance to be a very nice normal humble person no violence no scaries no whatever and then this whole then this whole thing happens 15 years later you know what i mean And
2: if this is the first crime that he's involved in, like it could have been, I'm not a psychologist, but like a spiral effect where like every decision after that, he's just making dumb decisions because he like is starting to
1: panic for everything. And is not cutting people up, though. I could never like I can't even imagine it.
2: I'm the same way, Megan. Like I could never imagine
1: even like because my sister's always like, how do you listen to that stuff all day? My brain can't even picture. I think if I visualize visualized all that stuff, I couldn't listen to this stuff. Anybody who's capable of it's hard to cut through human if you can do that and get through it, something else is this woman's pregnant. Like that so, got to me is a killer. That theory might work, but no one can convince me that Jason is just a bad decision maker. He's a freaking murderer.
2: Okay, but Jason, if this theory is correct, Jason was forced to do it before. What I was saying was predators that we have heard of that have that history. It was done to them and then they end up doing it and they have no guilt. They have no conscience about it because it was done to them. If he was forced to do this before, you know, years go by, he does it again. He doesn't have the conscience because he was he saw it done before where he wasn't caught
1: i think a 22 year old maybe that theory is correct but maybe when they said kill him he was like into it like you never know because and yeah. killed before maybe you didn't know you like it so maybe they were like you got to help us and he just didn't care and maybe he i wish we knew more of jason's history like i wish they had you know, some of these cases, a lot of stuff comes out where maybe he was looking at violent stuff. People said he seemed like a nice guy, but all of these killers seem like a nice guy. A lot of them have that MO. So maybe Jason just never was a great guy. Yeah, I guess, was, I guess we don't know. He was shooting at the cops. He was possibly involved in this. He didn't have a conscious enough to... I get somebody forcing you to do it, but then you go through with calling walmart those are still like it there i guess they always say when you're in court at this point you could have changed your mind at this point you could have changed your mind so say he did get involved with the girlfriend and the boyfriend at the point he called walmart and then 15 years later he never came forward so i and then he has now a history of he got in trouble shooting at the cops now, and I do not believe that family was an accidental. I know it's in the theory he ran over those people on purpose, in my opinion, so I don't think Jason's a good guy, but that theory's interesting it I like that it brought them all together. It
2: makes sense like the theory is very convincing. like I totally see what you're saying too. like I totally like a hundred percent agree with you at one point, but then hearing like Alexa go through that theory like. It makes so much sense. And then it would be like, well, what if Wesley, he was scared. Wesley threatened him his life. He was like, you saw what just happened to your friend. It's going to happen to you too if you don't do what I say. And then he makes the phone call because Wesley told him to make the phone call.
0: I'll let you both get some thoughts together and we can dig deeper in a Motive in the Mountains episode. And maybe we'll have other You know, perspectives, because I mean, I feel like we could talk all day long about this case, because like you said, there nothing makes sense. There's so many twists and turns. And I agree that if Jason hadn't grown up to murder other people, that theory would be like, absolutely. Case closed makes complete sense. But then you're like murdered some other people. So anything you say is invalid. All right. Do y'all have any other thoughts or anything before we pause to resume this on a motive in the mountains?
2: No, that's it. Find that. Find wherever that dog came from. You'll find the real murder.
0: (laughs) The key is the black lab puppy. I would love to hear what you guys think about the theories of this case because it's wild. So let us know what your thoughts are in the comments on Instagram. Um, Leave a review on Apple Podcast. Um, and come back on Friday for an episode of Murder in the Mountains, and then Tuesday for a new episode of Murder in the Mountains. See ya!